0: Good morning, or yeah, I guess you, and maybe you're listening to this in the morning, the afternoon. Um, welcome to the B-sides, uh, where we take Miley Cyrus's dedication to being a chameleon seriously, <laughs> but we're not letting her off the hook for wearing dreadlocks in 2015. Correct. I'm Becky.
1: I'm Mimi. I'm Hannah.
0: Uh, Before we get started, and I think we've already hinted at what today's topic is going to be, I want to make sure that you guys are subscribed if you haven't already. We come out every other Wednesday, so subscribing makes it way easier to catch up. Plus, it's it's a nice way to support us. Uh, We also have a Patreon if you want to support us in a monetary way. That link is in our bio, um, as well as follow us on Instagram. You can be part of our Facebook group. All of that is right there. If you read the little description, super easy. And then also, if you're a Patreon member, there will be a nice little treat coming your way. Cannot tell you what it is, but it'll be delivered to you by Christmas. And if you're not a Patreon member and that's not incentive enough, but you want to buy the little treat, you can. And so pay attention to our Instagram page where we will be letting you know what that fun little thing is. Um, anyway, what's up? what's up is folklore
1: I know that um we're going to talk about Miley today but I'm glad Becky that you suggested that we could spend just a little bit of time debriefing the folklore movie on Disney plus because oh my goodness Taylor has outdone herself that was like I loved every minute of it is that naive of me oh I liked it too and I really liked Aaron Dresner from yeah uh, from the
0: national uh more so than I hate how much I love Jack Antonoff but um, we don't want to spoil that much because also Dear Mimi has not has not been able to watch it yet because of the monopoly that Disney Plus has over the content.
1: Mimi, I uh, might have a password for you. Huh? I might have a password for you.
2: Okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, I was busy and then I was like, I'm sure I could get Disney Plus from someone. Or I assumed it would like be on Disney Plus and then go elsewhere, even though that doesn't make sense for Disney Plus. Um, but please spoil whatever you feel like I, I want you guys to just let loose and really talk about whatever you want on here. And I can also chime in with opinions that are uninformed.
0: Well, Mimi, I thought of you because you saw a lot on TikTok, and I think this is a larger discussion, but when, so before they, before Taylor and Jack and Aaron play every song, they do a little discussion about it. And per the discussion about the song, August and uh, cheating on someone uh everyone on tiktok has seemed to believe that jack is talking about lord Mm. i missed that yeah and because it's about a love triangle the song right and you have to go back to watch the clip and i will post some of the tiktoks but yes it is a big belief that jack is kind of being like yeah it was like kind of in a situation like august myself and everyone's like powerpoint lord
1: Yeah, let's link the PowerPoint in the description, the Jack and Lord PowerPoint, which is like
2: Hillary's iconic PowerPoint. Yeah, Yeah. thanks Hillary. Yeah, a lot of people I feel like reference it without um, on TikTok and elsewhere without giving due credit. Yeah, I wow, I didn't, I didn't uh, make that connection. That's that's
1: a good one. I'm gonna have to watch this. It was amazing. I loved every minute of it, except for Jack Antonoff's faces, which were a little (laughs) bit much. His faces are just,
0: I can't. Uh, Speaking of Jack Antonov, I am so looking forward to the Bleacher's album. I think it comes out early next year. Chinatown is so good. And I've been listening to a playlist that's just eight hours of songs that Jack Antonov has produced. And again, so good. It actually made me think a lot about Miley and I wondered if they would ever do a collab and what that would sound like. I'm sure he's probably making his rounds. I, I, her voice isn't really the kind of thing that he does, but um, I could see it.
1: I could totally see that.
0: And so today we're going to talk about Miley Cyrus, as we've mentioned, and why she's the perfect white privileged celebrity. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, and we're back. So today we're going to talk about Miley. And if you love this content, I suggest you also listen to episode 11, The Golden Age of Disney Stars with Miranda Fenberger, where we discuss Miley, Demi, Selena, and the Jonas Brothers. But before we dig in on previous Miley, have you guys had a chance to listen to Plastic Hearts yet?
1: Of course. Um, I love it. It's so good. I love it too. Um,
0: I was slightly scared for its release based on her previous albums, (laughs) which we'll talk about, but I think she finally found a type of like music that really showcases her vocals in a really nice way. And it also reminded me of Halloween. And I wish that the album came out in October. I think that's like the eighties punk kind of sound that, uh, makes me think about Halloween, but it was definitely like more of a Halloweeny vibe than a end of November vibe. I don't know. Maybe what did you think?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. It even had the um the song with Billy Idol had like the like kind of like a Stranger Things yes, um sound. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but like slowed down a little. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think I also agree with your comment about her voice. I feel like it's finally unconstrained. It's not like I don't love some of her other songs, which we will of course talk about. But um it's like unconstrained and she's not being very offensive. And that feels like a win-win. I think my early favorites are high and never be me. And I think she, yeah, she's like really circling this eighties moment or this like eighties, early nineties kind of thing, this era that we were all kind of born into as early nineties babies. And um, I wonder if she feels like she belongs with this kind of music or if it's merely like the latest in a series of phases. But I felt like there was really this 80s, um, this 80s vibe throughout. Joan Jett, who I learned yesterday is from Wynwood, Pennsylvania. Excuse me, which is where I am from. Um, Joan Jett, like rock and roll. But then also even like Prisoner with Dua Lipa has like an Olivia Newton-John, it's like Prisoner, it's like physical, you know, it's like that same song. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know if this is the latest in a long series of phases that we'll talk about or if she feels like she's kind of like found her spot, but could be both.
1: It definitely does. It's tempting to want to believe with Miley Cyrus that every album that she comes out with is like, this is it in terms of now Miley has reached who she is now. Like, I remember thinking about that, um, even a little bit with bangers, even a little bit with definitely with younger now. Um, and then even with the EP, what was it called? She's coming. Um, I feel like I was like, oh, this is who Miley is now. And that's what I was feeling when I was listening to this album you know, that this is it, this is who Miley is now. And it's a good reminder. She's actually, she's always changing. She is a chameleon. As Miranda um, taught us when she was on um, our podcast last year, that because Miley's a Sagittarius, reinventing herself is like a part of who she is and her stars, which I thought was really cool. I I love this album. It's very cohesive. She's really in, like, as you were mentioning, I picked up on a lot of those references too, were on the same wavelength slash they're very overt like I think the physical especially the fact that Dua Lipa has a song called physical which is like also Olivia Newton Johnny is a thing that I noticed I think um, I was talking about this with Logan earlier and I want to give credit where credit is due that he was talking about how it's a very clear very demonstrable genre very specific that people love like people love classic rock 80s rock 80s pop rock but people don't make it that much anymore. They make 80s-influenced stuff, but this is like a genre that's very familiar, even though it has not been made in a mainstream way like recently at all. I, I thought it was really a special album. No skips. Yeah, I, uh, I really hope that she
0: is able to tour it. Oh, yes. It's going to be perfect live. I think, yeah, it'll be. And then I'm sure she'll be, based on who she features on the album too, like bring a lot of people out. As surprise guests. Totally. It be a really fun tour. For
1: sure. I could, she did, I, I think also something that Logan was mentioning earlier today was um how she, she hit the nail on the head with the promo in terms of, of Midnight Sky was awesome. And the promo she did with Midnight Sky was amazing, but also coming out with a bunch of covers to say, this is who, as opposed to interviews where you say, you know, I was really influenced by Stevie Nicks. It's like, you want to hear how influenced I was by Stevie Nicks. We're going to drop a remix where she's on this, you know? And like, I, and and um, yeah. heart of glass those songs that people just absolute zombie like to say this is what i'm making right now listen how good my voice looks sounds i mean um listen to how good my band sounds and we're going to come out with an album that's modern this like get ready she nailed it
2: yeah and i i love the um mashup with stevie nicks who i'm terrified of famously um because it's it's again like song it it works perfectly like edge of 17 and midnight sky and these songs are like 40 years apart and i love when that happens and it works out and they sing on each other's parts it's it's yeah and
0: i i think back to what hannah was saying too i think this is it seems that miley's grown a little from her bangers stage by like actually talking to the people who had done the work in this type of music field before, as opposed to just being like, oh, I don't know, I felt like it, so I'm going to put out a song. And instead, it feels like she actually thought about it and consulted people and worked with people together in a collaborative way, which leads me, if it's okay with you guys, I think we should just do a little bit of some young Miley history. Um, we all grew up with Miley. She's exactly Pretty much our age, our ages, and I—I I really feel like she's my friend, and like she's the type of person that you've known like your entire life, and now you're at this point in your life where you're like, hmm, if we met later in life, like, would we actually be friends? And that's really who Miley is to me. Like, she's gone through some, th- through so many phases, some better suited for her than others. Um, and we've touched on this, but she really is a chameleon, and for good or for bad, which we'll talk about later, and how it's kind of been extremely problematic and insincere for her uh, throughout her entire 27, 28 years on this planet. Uh, Mimi and Hannah, what's your relationship like with Miley?
1: Um, I know I talked about this uh, in the past and in the last episode we did about, about Miley. And I, I love to, to talk about this, but I will be brief. You know, I feel very connected to Miley because I used to look a lot alike. We used to look a lot alike. Um, So I feel very close to her, especially when she was first becoming famous really exclusively as Hannah Montana. And my name is Hannah. So I just really felt like I was Hannah Montana. And I have now dressed like Miley Cyrus so many times for so many Halloweens or anything. Uh, Becky and I once hosted um, a a talent show of sorts uh, with two of our other friends. And for was it for like a, just one number Becky that I dressed as Hannah Montana? Was I Hannah Montana the whole time?
0: I think you were Hannah Montana the whole time.
1: Yeah, I think, I, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And that was like my happiest moment of the of the whole world was just dressing like Hannah Montana on stage in front of a hundred of my peers. So I always felt very close to her, very protective of her. And um, in the last few years, therefore very critical of her and like really wanting to hold her accountable.
2: I mostly felt, connected to her because she looked like hannah um but that's that's all to say like i have been i've you know known of her and been i consuming her content since 2006 or so it's a long time you know obviously hannah montana introduction iconic disney channel show iconic disney channel acting um the climb really important party in the usa i was gonna say like i still have a lot of affection for that song i hear the opening guitar and like that more than any other song brings me back to like my freshman year of college like a beer soaked dance floor basement of a frat party in like fall 2009 um but becky i think that your analogy of like she feels like my friend is apt because like this this can happen with like a number of celebrities you know it's like when you're growing up with people who are your actual friends there are only a certain number of people who you know growing up and who like bear witness to you growing up and vice versa and even though it's different I think you can like definitely extend that to celebrities when they're around your age and you grow up with them and you're growing up at the same time and you're sort of like comparing what you're up to, what phases they're in, things like that. And then they do things or they say things that are off color and you're like, Oh no, like, cause you, you care about them and, and you feel like you're at the same age and you kind of like, I don't know, there's like a special kind of affection there. Um, and so I think that's interesting. And, and it's, it's like a rare kind of group, you know, I feel like I can count celebrities that I've known Of for that long who were around my age, like on one or two hands, maybe. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree. It's different. It's like Brittany and Christina Aguilera are just slightly older than we are. So it's a different we didn't grow up with the Mickey Mouse Club the same way that like people maybe 10 years older than us has and probably feel us the same sort of kinship to them. Right. Um, but let's get started. A little give a little brief history on Miley. Uh we should note that she is part of the famous family club. Um, albeit her dad, Billy Ray, is not nearly as famous as she is now, that his fame definitely propelled her into the spotlight faster than others her age. Her father, country singer Billy Ray Cyrus, who famously performed for Bill Clinton's re-election campaign in 1996. I think that's probably what he's (laughs) most well known for. I'm just kidding. I assume most people perhaps didn't know that. Um, Her godmother is our dearest vaccine savior, Dolly Parton. And she was born Destiny Hope because her parents believed she was destined to do great things, which is nice. I, I would hope that almost most parents believe that about their child and we should all be named Destiny Hope and then later, you know, get to rename ourselves as Miley did uh, when she re- renamed herself Miley Ray Cyrus because she was always smiling. So they called her Smiley. So miley and a side note she kept the ray as part of her middle name because it honors her grandfather who was a democratic member of the kentucky house of representatives for over 20 years ron and he was an active member of the kentucky afl cio um and so maybe that's where miley gets her little bit of political inspiration i wish he were still alive would be fascinating to have him talk to present-day miley on her instagram lives seems like we could learn a lot
1: yes from ron about the history of, you know, unionization and and left-leaning politics in Kentucky, which is amazing. (laughs) I didn't know this. That was great. Um, I think that it's good to think about how when Miley was very little, she was always connected to the Hollywood scene. She had some small acting roles here and there, thanks to Tish, her iconic mom and momager. Um, So when she was 11, only 11, she was a baby when you see these audition tapes, which I have watched on YouTube before because they're wild when she won the crown jewel, her own TV show on Disney channel as Hannah Montana. And for those of us who don't know, which if you're listening and you don't know about this, that's just interesting. I'm just surprised. I'd love to hear your your story. Um, Hannah Montana is a show about a young girl who moonlights as a famous pop star. And the only difference between Miley and Hannah is a blonde wig, which uh has special magical powers clearly of turning everyone's eyes just off so that no one can tell who (laughs) what her face looks like um audiences first met miley as a young and very wholesome tween she's cute she's quirky she's harmless hannah montana goes on for another four seasons it felt a lot longer when we were in it but i guess these seasons were years long that was hannah montana for us
0: yeah, and so she released dozens of songs at this point. Right. Shout out to nobody's perfect, and e- even a movie. Um, she's posting videos on YouTube with her BFF Mandy, and she honestly was way ahead of her time to control the narrative and to let people know her true personality. The climb comes out. We're still so wholesome, and then there's the all-time grocery store hit, which my which Mimi talked about: party in the USA um comes out which not to not to badmouth party in the usa i think it is way beyond a grocery store hit but really you hear it in the grocery store like all the time and i think no matter what miley does now she cannot escape party in the usa her image is frozen in time from then um as we'll talk about much later she has tried desperately to get away from that but she can't she that song was even on the top iTunes list like two weeks ago when Biden won the election it was everywhere I mean she also posted on Instagram and Twitter like party in the USA like Biden won but it makes you think that Miley like maybe that was your most successful image like for a reason
2: and we yeah talk about that as we go on yeah so then like very shortly after this party in the usa era it's still there she tries to pivot this is one of the first like major pivots that we see and i i never know with this sort of thing i know this is like a common disney channel girl thing where then they pivot towards like i'm gonna be like sexy adult now which like never really feels adult and they're usually still under age and it's kind of gross but um i never know like how much of that is their decision or someone else's it's probably a combination but in any case in this moment around 2010 Miley you know tries to escape for the first time her good quote-unquote image um and at first she she does the last song she goes into like a full movie unrelated to Hannah Montana And this movie is pivotal in that it's how she meets Liam Hemsworth. Big deal, future ex husband. But in terms of the movie itself, um, this is like one of those movies. Like, I enjoyed it. I wasn't like, this is a great film, (laughs) but I enjoyed it. And it's one of those like Rotten Tomatoes. Like, the critics are like, it's like at 0% with the critics, but the fans love it. And there's something to be said for that. Um, I pulled in a couple of uh critiques just for a a sense of this um so speaking to what what becky was just talking about from the author of the notebook and a walk to remember comes a movie custom made to help miley cyrus begin her transition away from hannah montana and into more mature roles so there's that that is sort of like the function of this movie and then another critique miley cyrus won't be winning any acting awards (laughs) anytime soon her delivery is rat-a-tat and she operates in two modes pouting and not she's still got like the disney channel act like her acting for disney channel was on point but for anything else not so much um and so this movie like kind of tanked; didn't do much for her professionally and so then she releases so that's 2009 then she releases can't be tamed in 2010 and i think we can agree that that two was a flop. Um, I don't think I've ever listened to that album. And it was kind of confusing, because it was kind of like in the same year span as Party in the USA. And the specter of Party in the USA loomed large over it, as it still does. Um, You know, it was just so infectious. Nationalism is a disease, get well soon. But like, I, I just like never really got into the can't be tamed moment i do remember the music video um and yeah i'm not i'm i'm not sure most people do though but let's let's look at a a description from billboard that captures it well so it says the video for the title track and first single off can't be tamed seemed at the time to be the culmination of all this for miley her official break away from her squeaky clean teen image An attempt to be taken seriously as an adult pop artist. The clip featured a caged Miley under display at an art museum. It was like a PG-13 cross between Britney Spears' I'm a Slave For You and Lady Gaga's paparazzi with Miley dressed in black underwear and in some shots, some sort of shell corset dancing provocatively with backup dancers of both genders and literally sprouting wings to try to escape the cage she's been put in. Um, I think that is a pretty good description of what is going on here. I remember seeing it and thinking like, even when I was 19 watching this, I was kind of just like, what? You know, the, the whole bird thing was like really wild. Um, but I'm curious, you know, what were what were your recollections of this? Or is this like a memory hole kind of thing for you?
0: This is a memory hole for me. I have no
1: memory of this. Of Can't Be Tamed? I like kind of do, but not like. Oh my gosh. I remember I, Can't Be Tamed. So I've seen that. I watch that video at least once or twice a year. I'm obsessed. Okay. I don't know why it broke into my brain. I watch it every five years, which means <laughs> I've watched it three
2: times. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah I, it's easy. It's easy to skip over, but I do remember it coming out. Hannah. Then I guess I more.
0: must have watched it um yeah. when it came out obviously
1: but i don't i don't think about it i just i think about it because it's so long ago but she's been trying to tell us that this is that that's what she wanted yeah. to be over and over again and i i think that the the more time goes on the more clear it is that that wasn't just the very typical like 18 19 year old disney star who does that which is a trope that has happened a million times and then the stars often like level out in their adulthood, like watching the prisoner music video two weeks ago, like that's can't be tamed Miley. She's been trying to tell us for years. So I always, for some reason, like every new era, I go back to can't be tamed and just watch it because the wings in the music video are iconic. Her strut is hilarious. Her facial expressions are always so funny to me. I think that she like can't move her face in a way that like most other people, I always think her facial expressions are so funny (laughs) to me probably botox I guess I think that they've like always been a little off like her face moves differently I don't know how to explain it is that just me I'm
2: I'm just trying not to laugh but I like fully (laughs) you know what I I mean I fully yeah I know exactly what you mean I I don't think like I ever would have come up with the the words for it but yeah her face just like this this is why she won't be winning an acting award anytime soon because it's just like it's it's very unique but it's very it's very just her and i can't i can't even explain the the facial expressions or why they are the way they are and they have been for so long like just the same
0: so while she was singing can't be tamed in her exterior she was also internally saying fuck you guys. I can't be tamed. What I do remember from that era is that she was caught smoking salvia from a bong, which was the actual big deal event because she was like, fuck you guys. Here's me dancing in a cage. But also I'm no like goody toast, like goody two shoes teen. I'm also smoking dreaded salvia from a bong. And then she posed naked on the cover of Vanity Fair Um, which wasn't really naked if you like actually do a little more research but it was still a big deal she was a young girl we had known her as this like wholesome girl from hannah montana and then here she is fucking smoking salvia and posing naked up to literally no good capital n capital g um but this like not disney miley image didn't really stick that much for her i think in the early 2010s in fact it turned a lot of people off from her which is problematic too but Also, the music wasn't that good. So I can also imagine maybe that if you were like, hey, uh, the content, I'm not digging it as much, but she's really trying to disassociate herself from her previous life as Hannah Montana. But the direction isn't clear and it feels a a
1: teeny bit forced, um, which takes us to bangers. Right. I was just looking up when um, the song Who Owns My Heart came out, which is around this time, which again is from... um, The the Can't Be Tamed album and era, which I was just confirming. It was a, I think that's a great song. It's a little weird and a little like stupid. Hannah is a can't be tamed (laughs) apologist. (laughs) I I didn't realize that I was, but I guess I am. I guess I, yeah, I have just spent a lot of time with Miley Cyrus (laughs) over time. Like that was like the Gypsy Heart era, which I guess was her first official, um, Uh, foray into cultural appropriation and problematic language, calling her tour the Gypsy Heart Tour (laughs) in a long series, which gets us to bangers. So what we have to remember was that eight years ago around this time, we had just come off the summer of We Can't Stop, which was just everywhere. And that was when we saw Miley's um, first video showcasing Can't Be Tamed 2.0. We witnessed her bizarre is bizarre even the right word just like unreal and with lasting consequences vma performance with robin thick and her onesie that was like with a bear that that didn't fit her right and that's honestly what i remember even more than the twerking was how that onesie didn't fit her right she twerked all over black women she smoked joints at awards shows during this time she came out with an album that was i would say pop heavy with hip-hop influences for sure she inserted herself right into rap culture. She had the time of her life. She lived this perfect life of that hippie kid that you went to Bonnaroo with, but like with even more cultural appropriation. I actually am a fan of the album Bangers. I think it's awesome. Um, my sister and I really love it. There's some great songs like F.U. is a really fun one. Um, even though as you know, we're talking about now, this era was, was a mess. Becky and Mimi, what do you think about this, this era? I think we can't
0: stop as a commercial success. You can't deny it. It's super catchy. Um, It is another grocery store hit, not to, uh, not to say that's bad. Um, And I, the rest of the album kind of falls a little flat for me. I will say, I don't think I dedicated that much time to listening to it and perhaps I could go back and listen to it in full. Maybe I'll have a different thought and, but I really cannot believe that wrecking ball is even on the same album um, because it's totally different sounds Uh, for it although it's kind of a similar message and then she's like coming in and I'm not who you thought I was like I'm gonna destroy everything uh theme
2: yeah Wrecking Ball um was also via the music video was like definitely an early meme too like there were so many Wrecking Ball memes um perhaps too many some could say but yeah I I also thought that it was Me in some ways, like I really enjoyed the album, um, but I did not enjoy all the mess around it. And funny enough, like I actually watched this VMA performance live with Hannah and my mom, and we were like waiting for more friends to come over. And you know what? They were late and they missed it live because they were on the way to my house and they will always have that on their conscience. Um, But like in terms of the reactions that it kicked up immediately, it's like the classic train wreck reactions. It's like horror confusion just like a slow moving train wreck um and you know it took a little bit of distance to understand some of like the broader elements of why it was so gross but um even in the moment it was a train wreck um to my 22 year old brain and yeah so You know, I think with a little more distance, not a ton, just sort of seeing how the rest of the album unfolded um, and then sort of where she's gone later in the decade, which we'll talk about. You know, she was desperate to separate herself from her past life and she really wore the skin of another movement and she didn't give any credit or respect to those who came before her, um, you know, which happens a lot but this is clear white privilege you know um and she put on dreads she twerked she you know got shit for acting out and then she should sort of just like move on shed that persona and you know act like it was just some sort of rebelliousness um And so really it's like, you know, the, the cultural tourism really jumped all the way out here, starting at the, the BMAs, Um, you know, she's profiting off the culture, history and labor of black people without facing any of the oppression, any of the intergenerational trauma, having to marshal any of the resilience that informs so much of what she's appropriating in the first place. And so like, this is the legacy of the bangers era, and this is not the party in the USA we stand for. Thank you. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Then what happens next?
0: Well, she releases dead pets, which I think Hannah- may have more takes than I do I can't even tell you one song on this album in which Hannah wrote to me the song Karen don't be sad which I thought maybe she was calling me a Karen for like no sorry like, oh, it's a I know song. I got it it's a song on the album um uh, this is also ex-
2: this is also a thread from our chicks episode where it was like Juliana calm down or Karen don't be sad and we trying to figure out which was which <laughs> Um, But this is an experience
0: piece album with the flaming lips, um, and yet another departure from her good girl image, and even a departure from bangers. And I think we could draw as I'm thinking about it now maybe a more of a, a thread between this album and the one that she just put out. It's more of a similar like rock vibe and I thought the New York Times actually describes it pretty well in 2015. They say, whereas Banger saw a freshly unfettered pop renegade experimenting with her newfound power, roiling some of its hip-hop, tourism, and provocative visuals, the ID-heavy experiment of dead pets reveal Miley as she exists now, aware of her position as a youth culture spokeswoman and openly keen on drugs, sex, animals, and the environment. I created my surroundings, my own world, she said. What seems like fantasy or trippy, it's not to me. It's my actual reality." And as she signs on slap of butter, scorpion, self-control is something I'm, is not something I'm working on.
1: I, I, I roll. Right. Miley, I mean, it, Dead Pets was such an interesting moment because it seems like a blip in Miley's life. Like it was, it was not it, because she was working on it with the Flaming Lips guy who was like her almost like cult leader at the time. I was very confused about her relationship with him. It seems like it was a blip and and just another type of music she wanted to try. It seems like she was kind of playing with different, in her mind, countercultures, which in some people's minds is their whole culture. But for her, she was just like flipping through different countercultures, which she could do because of her fame and privilege. So it was a it was a commercial flop, although it didn't matter to her, bottom line. She still had fans, lots of money. And so what happens that we see at this moment is that by 2018, she decides to come back as country girl Miley and to like make a thing of it and to get back with her, you know, old ex-fiance and, you know, and then get re-engaged to Liam Hemsworth. She's grown her hair out. She dyed it even blonder. She's back with singer-songwriter music. She's wearing like cut-off jeans and red bandanas. And it's not that it was a problem for her to quote-unquote go back to those roots, but it was really hard to see how she decided to go back to those roots. She started to publicly shun the hip-hop world that she so aggressively inserted herself into. She scoffed at its misogyny while accepting no responsibility for how she profited off of it, off of Black people's music and their hair and their culture and their bodies, And it was in a 2017 interview with Billboard where she distanced herself from hip-hop culture by just putting it down. She talked about trying to get back to her roots, and it showed just how little Miley had learned over the last few years.
2: Yeah, and just, like, how little she ever understood about um, the kind of music and aesthetics that she was profiting off of. And there was an article at the time... um, that I think circulated a lot and like really hit the nail on the head from the establishment. Jagger Blake said, well, she started by writing. I have one question, Miley. What's good.
1: Iconic (laughs) moment of culture.
2: Yeah. Um, And so this is from May, 2017, when this album is coming out and something that she said, here's an excerpt. I know I shouldn't be as mad as I am, But seeing Miley categorize all of her hood rat shenanigans, quote-unquote hood rat shenanigans, of the past few years as a quote-unquote phase is exactly why people of color constantly fight to protect their culture. Cyrus has been waiting for the perfect moment to retreat back to her country facade and the white privilege that comes with it. And it is Black women who will suffer from this, who will be ridiculed for the aspects of their identity Cyrus borrowed for a profit, long after she shed the faux extensions and taken out the gold grills to get back into the good graces of her white fan base. Some, including Cyrus, may argue that this is all a part of artistic growth, but I wish these pop stars would skip the part of their career when they decide to exploit the genres that are already hard for aspiring Black artists to break into. That's exactly it. I mean, it's... She she also has, like, this other layer of having like another layer of protection as a child star in the industry and that her father was already in it Dolly Parton's her godmother so she's like basically untouchable um and she is absolutely appropriative and there's no need for the sake of artistic growth to like do a drive-by of um a type of music an area of culture that you just should appreciate but don't belong in Um, And so, yeah, I think she, like, really considered herself fearless, and this happens a lot with people and with her, Um, but she was actually tone deaf, and these qualities, these are qualities that get confused a lot, and, like, the center of the Venn diagram of those is, like, rebelliousness, but it's, I don't know. Yeah, and even framing
0: it as rebelliousness shows how problematic it, it always was, like, she needed to take on someone else's culture in order to prove on the outside how drastically different she felt on the inside, and she held on to this persona tightly when it was convenient for her and distanced herself from it when it wasn't any longer. Even though it had served her, like she was so well-known in like the 2014 time, like her name was everywhere um, for good or for bad, but that still means she got money and she still was able to promote her image. And it's how she can even sell off the charts today in 2020.
1: Right. And she, you know, we see that it was a convenient tool for her but she might not have felt like it was convenient for her at the time right so she embraced hip-hop culture which to be clear she did not do well at first and embracing that went hand in hand with the other parts of her rebel image as Mimi and Becky were just mentioning that became really central to her like weed and sex she got a lot of shit from this um from the mainstream um you know shit about her being crude or immature so I'm sure she actually felt like like wearing that critique almost as a badge of honor um, but to be clear, you know, the, the critiques she was getting from mainstream culture for being crude, for being immature was racialized, right? Cause she's grabbing these other parts of, of cultures that are not hers. And many people at this time were lamenting the loss of the folky songwritery Miley. And I remember at the time feeling a little bit that way too, because, you know, this is a few years after we didn't mention, but she had done the backyard sessions where she sang Jolene so beautifully. And it was, there was a moment at this time where I remember feeling like, you know, missing that, that Miley, um, which later I've learned to critique, critique, that critique as, as we do, as we get older. So a lot of people are lamenting this loss of folky Miley, balking at the new Miley, which they found depraved and their criticisms of her. And her friends were explicitly racist or being more thinly veiled as racist, and I bet for her at the time, she thought of herself as someone in a subculture in a minority, and not thinking of herself as benefiting from black culture.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And none of this really came with consequences, like as you've both pointed out, it came with a lot of the it came with a lot of critiques and it also came with a lot of publicity that worked in her favor and that is simply not the case if if let's say a a woman of color in her position like says something off color or or does something much smaller that could be taken as offensive or not it's just so much easier for people's careers to tank um, than it is for her she's kind of untouchable um. So yeah, you know, she got she got the YouTube views, she got the money, she got people talking about her, and she got to be she got to like really detach from Hannah Montana in a big way, um, which she had been trying to do as you both remind me as she like released her album Meet Miley Cyrus, which was an amazing album. In the late '00s, um, she had been trying to do that for a while, and then and then she finally did. And now she is here once again trying to recreate her image completely as she does, as a chameleon does. She kind of like looks like a chameleon with her expression sometimes now that I'm thinking about it. Um, But anyway, so yeah, especially compared to like compared to most of her contemporaries, but especially when you think of like the Disney Channel stars that get so pigeonholed, she can really jump in and out of the scene um and i can like not think about her for a year and a half and then she like comes back and she is relevant again try on a million different aesthetics and at the same time like you always recognize her due to those facial expressions and like due to her voice which is so so distinctive
0: but it really seems that the only piece that she's holding on to that actually still serves her in some way is the activist miley and this sort of awakening of the past like six or seven years also meant like a political awakening. And that's a piece of her persona that, especially through her foundation, she maintains. And during the pandemic, we saw her do some weird Instagram lives where she talked with quote unquote experts about privilege and wellness, which is its own conversation about privilege. Um, But you do have to kind of ask yourself, like who's her audience and what is she doing it for? Seems extremely self-serving in a way. Although I guess maybe there are people that watch it and maybe have, I don't want to diminish that. Maybe there are people that watched it and their views do change about Black Lives Matter movement. And it is good that she is using her platform to talk about things like that. Um, she said in 2019 when tr- about Trump in, vanity, in a Vanity Fair interview, I think especially in this time, pop culture and politics are the same thing, she said, especially with the president that we have right now. But my question is, as we think about this, not even just Miley, but a lot of celebrities, is now that Trump is out of office, well- fingers crossed that he will actually you know leave the office in January um a lot of things like let's see what work she actually continues to do I I worry and I'm sure both of you do too that given how little Miley and a lot of other celebrities actually understand the dynamics of our society it I'm skeptical that a lot of them will continue to do any of the work that they do now because it's just because we have this like literally evil man out of office there's still so many problems wrong in our society and that require a lot of celebrities to call out action and I don't call me a little cynical but I think we might see some folks drop out uh between now and then and then 2024 wake up and be like oh how did we how did we get this like truly fascist uh person in office again um but So far, 2020 has brought some good things to Miley, as we talked about in the beginning of this episode. It seems that she may have found the type of music that really highlights her strong, raspy vocals. And she seems to be having fun while doing it and maybe not appropriating someone else's identity. She's sober. She quit smoking. She's single now. And I hope that she starts to do some real reflection on her place in the world and the damage she's done in the bangers area.
1: Um, I feel like I follow Miley. I didn't know that she had broken up with Cody Simpson, and I didn't know she was sober. Like I totally missed all of these things.
0: Yeah, she. I read an E News story about her being sober.
1: Hmm.
2: She had she had vocal surgery last fall, I think, and then she decided to be sober after that.
0: Wow. Well, she did, and then she relapsed a little bit, but now she's
1: like two or three weeks sober. Oh, got it.
2: But she's I really wonder-
1: actively trying to cut alcohol out of her life, right? Got it. Which is the, good. The song "High" is interesting because it's like I. St- I wonder why I still feel high. That kind of is an interesting knowing. Having that piece of information makes me think about it a little differently.
0: And it makes me think too that maybe she's out of her like I'm doing drugs to be rebellious phase, like type thing, and need even though like as we discussed is problematic in its own way too but that maybe she's now realizing like hey like i'm coming down to earth a little bit and i'm enjoying making this kind of music and that can be enough to give me a high i don't need to like uh, to pretend like i'm
1: different and it makes sense for her it's it's interesting to hear that she has chosen to be sober you know her connection with drugs has always been very explicit in a part of her life and um you know in her ep she is coming that was 2019 question mark When, when was she is coming? Something like that. 2019. Um, you know, there was the song that she, that was playing off of, um, cream cash rolls, everything around me. It was called dream drugs, roll everything around me. And it was, it's sad. It's really a sad song. Like it has a, it's like a downbeat song. And that's just interesting to hear that she has chosen to be sober.
0: So uh, besides friends, Mimi said that I like her not love and definitely don't hate her and her moral arc bends towards justice in my opinion which i think is a nice thing to put it i do think that miley has i mean this is the intention of uh, the conversation of intentions versus impact but uh which is a larger discussion about her bangers album but i do deep down do think that her moral arc goes towards justice as well it's i think hard to have a moral arc when you're so fucking rich and don't quite understand like plights of everyday people and like what it actually means. But I'll give you Miley, I think our heart is in the right place.
1: I'm happy for her. I think that this album puts a lot of the things she's been trying to accomplish and has like hurt others along the way. I think this is the right way to do it for this moment, right? Like she is still in her music video of a prisoner. she's still licking Dualipa up and down. like she loves her tongue. Go for it. Like, get your tongue out. There's a pandemic, but it's fine. I'm sure everybody was tested. Like, get your tongue out, Miley, if you want. You know, she still gets to be that kind of rebellion, rebelliousness, and she still gets to draw on influences. But I think, as you mentioned earlier, which I thought was a really great point, this time she's doing it with credit, with explicit collaborations, with like, you know, real references to songs that she's drawing inspiration from, which I think is a really beautiful way to do it. And then we also can't pretend, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to hide all of this and say that it makes more sense for her to do rock than hip hop when, you know, rock has been, you know, heavily dominated by white culture by white, you know, musicians, Um, although there's like amazing rock artists of color in every generation, but that does make it a little less complicated for her to lean into that genre. Um, but it helps that her voice and her sound and her talent is so perfectly fitting for them. Yeah, and it's
0: also in her history too, in her blood. Like yeah. her, Billy Ray is really like country rock. Um, yeah. Too.
1: And even the like, you know, really pop punk era of the 2009 Golden Age of Disney stars that we've talked about, you know, I think that we have kind of highlighted in the past that, you know, Miley was really well suited for the more Rocky songs that she was given. Demi definitely was for sure. Selena never I don't think was ever good for the rock songs and actually ended up much better with the folky pop. But Miley was always good at I might even be a rock star. I might even be a rock star. Right, she even she told did. us. She told us. Her voice she told us her voice was right. Her her voice is great for that
2: always, even if it was still like constrained in that way, but it was still like you knew exactly who was singing when she started singing. And she said she said something about, you guys know how like the Malibu fires burned her and Liam's house down? She said something about, and maybe this is connected to her surgery as well, but she said something about like after the fires, like her voice got, for me, lack of a better word, like smokier, like more gravelly in a way that she liked and and felt like it was different now. Um,
1: Is that why she had to get surgery?
2: I don't think so. I thought she was um filming Black Mirror when oh, the fires happened. Okay. Like she was away. We didn't Ugh. even discuss that Black
0: Mirror episode.
1: No. Speak or how I dressed life. as Ashley O that Halloween and I think I I think I looked great. You nailed it.
0: End. You really, really nailed it. <laughs> I yeah. think I finally redeemed her acting in yes. that episode. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Show she that ready to for
2: Rotten
1: tomatoes me. critic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, and I think, you know, I just want to, like, underscore Becky, your point again about dropping off after 2020. Like, is she metaphorically going back to brunch and that sort of thing? Um, And besides friend Mimi's point that her moral arc bends towards justice, it's the idea that, like, it only bends towards justice if you keep bending it that way and um who knows what she'll do i think she's a prime candidate for dropping off again but i could easily be surprised by that um so i hope we don't find ourselves in 2024 with like a worse trump somehow and you know pointing to miley cyrus for for her part in being complicit in that I just Um, she'll wake up and be like, oh my god, how did this happen? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Time to get political again. But I do think if we want to like touch on Black Mirror for one second, because I I actually think she like really starred in that. Like she really was like the best part of that season, her episode. And it kind of like mirrored her trajectory so far a little bit. I mean, on a roll is head like a hole by nine-inch nails um and she we talked about this we've talked about this previously on and off air but you know the way she goes from like bubblegum pop in that episode to rock and it seems to just like suit her differently and she can kind of like make that transition seamlessly musically aesthetically that sort of thing yeah
0: um I I think that she comes in like a racking ball and I'm not sure she'll ever clean up the mess that she left behind. So that's our show. Um, but it's not the end of the conversation and we can't wait to hear what you think. Follow us on Instagram, listen to the B-Sides on Twitter at the B-Sides pod where you'll probably get my mom being like, I can't believe that take. Uh, and then you can also join our Facebook group by searching the B-Sides. We're going to bit.ly slash B-Sides FB group. Email us with questions, uh, ideas at listen to the b-sides at gmail.com. All of those things are in the description of this episode. So just open your podcast app. You don't have to furiously take notes about them. You can, if you want Um, something, I forgot to mention at the top of this episode, but it'll definitely be in the notes is we launched a website and it's so exciting. And we'd love for you guys to check it out. The link is in the bio um cool subscribe to our podcast rate and review us five stars only please I don't know who gave us three but sleep with one eye open and we will see you on two Wednesdays until the next time we cut to the feeling I'm Becky I'm
1: Hannah I'm Mimi Bye.